Well, today we continue this uh, series that we've been doing this summer on some psalms. And uh, if you weren't here when we first talked about it, you know, we're kind of using uh, a scholar named Walter Brueggemann's uh, grouping of the psalms. He says that there are three types of psalms. Uh, psalms of orientation, psalm of disorientation, and psalms of new orientation. That really all of life can kind of be grouped uh, in the same way. And so today we are coming to a psalm of orientation. And this is, means that it's explaining, it's giving a picture of how life should be lived. You know, when, when we are living life right, when uh, God is in our lives, when we are living according to God's plan, uh, it's good. And that's what this psalm says. So short psalm today, only three verses. Uh, psalm 133. So listen to the word of God. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Uh, Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would take these beautiful words written so many years ago. And we pray that you would speak to us a word for our lives today, for especially the life of our church, our life together. Um, Speak clearly to us and may our hearts and our minds be open to your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. So I have a great, uh, some friends with a great young couple named Josh and Katie, and a couple Sundays ago, he told me about a conversation he had with his wife on Sunday morning when they were getting ready to go to church. And it went like this. He said, honey, you know, wouldn't you rather just kind of take it easy today? You know, not go to church. Let's just have some coffee, read the New York Times. I can make my famous uh, French toast. It's been a really busy week. The kids are tired. We're kind of tired. What do you think? And Katie responded, you know, Josh, I think there's more to this than you just being tired because I've kind of noticed the last, oh, four or five weeks, you've been kind of dragging your feet when it comes to getting ready to go to church. What's really wrong? What's going on? Josh replied, well, yeah, I guess there is something, you know, more than just being tired. I, I haven't been too excited about going to church lately. You know, the sermons are kind of long, and they're usually boring. It doesn't come to our church. It doesn't seem like anybody really sings a song. It just kind of seems dead, worship Seems kind of dead to me. I I don't know. It hasn't done much for me lately. Katie replied, oh, come on. It hasn't been that bad. I I thought the sermon last week actually was pretty good. And, you know, the singing, I I think the choir and the singing, it's been cranking it up a little bit. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's really something else. You know, I go and I don't really feel like I know anybody there. If I everybody's talking to each other, everybody seems to be so happy to see each other, but they don't seem very happy to see me. And I kind of feel left out. And 
If I have to have a conversation, if I have a conversation, I have to take the initiative. Nobody ever comes up to me. And, you know, it always seems like some drama is going on. There's some political issue everybody's getting fired up about. It, I don't know. I'm just kind of tired of the whole scene. Katie, being a good wife that she is, grabbed his hand and gently said, well, I can understand all those feelings, but I still think we should go. Josh said, yeah, but I just don't feel like it. Honey, whether you feel like it, fight, feel like it or not, you got to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> That's pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, I think we kind of laugh at this because, well, number one, do we ever feel like pastors feel like not going to church? I can tell you sometimes some Sundays there are those Sundays. But we also laugh at it because, let's face it, the church is kind of a mixed bag. I mean, there are times, at least at one point or another, if we have been at, around the church long enough, where we've been disappointed or we've been hurt. I mean, the church is full of a broke, bunch of broken people, so it can be broken at times as well and often falls short of what God envisions for it to be, and it's a beautiful vision. You know, I know some of you have recently come from churches, church experiences where there's been a lot of hurt, it's been painful, and people said hurtful things, and it just seemed like a big mess a lot of misunderstanding. Now, I tell you, that's a painful thing to go through. Because the church is your family. <laughs> and when you have those hard times, it's hard. And some people I talk to have no church background, but they've heard about the church, and their response is, I, I'm a spiritual person, but I enjoy my spirituality, you know, out in the parks and surfing and doing other things. Not not at a church, not with organized religion. You know, it'd be easy, I think, and oftentimes people do, and a lot of people do today, that just say, you know, I love God. Man, I don't want to get anywhere near the church. And yet, here we are this morning, all of us, because I think the church is compelling in some ways, is it not? There's something that goes on here that doesn't go on in anywhere else in our society. Well, I, I was thinking about this baptism today. I mean, how many, how many incidences in, our, in our, our society today are, was there something like a baptism? Where a bunch of people of all ages and all different kinds of people make a promise to a family to love their child and to nurture them and to grow them up and to be like family to them. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? I, I think that is just the church at its best. Where else do we get that? So we yearn for it. And as the Psalm of Orientation says, of course we yearn for it because this is life as it should be lived. All of us, whether we're people of faith or not, we are, we're wired. We're created for relationship. I mean, it's so interesting, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It doesn't stop there, does it? 
And love your neighbor as yourself. God's vision for humanity, no doubt about it. I mean, it's all over the Bible. It's for us to have deep, life-giving relationships. You know, I've been so surprised, not surprised, but I've been kind of, well, maybe surprised at all the articles I've read recently in the New York Times. I don't know, something's going on at the New York Times. I think it's being converted or something. It's amazing how many articles I've read about spirituality and about, and especially about community and the need for community in our country today, especially after this pandemic. Man, it's an epidemic of loneliness. And not just in our country. I, I read a, a few months ago that Britain now has a minister of basically loneliness, of trying to help people deal with their loneliness as a society because it's an epidemic. So many lonely people. It's not the way God created us to live life. He has created us to live with each other as tough as it may be sometimes. And like I said earlier, we're a bunch of broken people. And not only that, we're family. Families are kind of dysfunctional, right? Oftentimes. And yet God says, ah, but this is how I've made you. And so we have this dilemma. You know, we yearn for it, we're wired for it, and yet uh, we get hurt sometimes and we pull back. It's like porcupines, you know? Have you ever heard this illustration? Porcupines, can you imagine porcupines getting close to each other? Think about that for a second. It's tough. They want community, they, they want to be connected, they come together and then they, they hurt each other and they go back out. That's how we are. And yet, this psalm, so clearly, is an affirmation of God's design for humanity. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, this psalm gives us two beautiful poetic poetic images that are kind of key to how we can live together in this unity and what the church, even though it's an Old Testament uh, psalm, it's definitely, we can apply it to our church. How do we live together in in, uh, community and really live out the vision? Because I got to tell you, I've said this before, but there's not too many better things than the, the church when it's really living out what God intends for it to do. I, I just got to say it. I've experienced it. It's beautiful. When we fulfill those one another exhortations in the New Testament, you know, there's like 21 of them, I think. Love one another. Support each other. Encourage one another. Hang in there with one another. Serve one another. There, there's a whole list of them. When we're living that out, ah, it's good. It's good and pleasant. So what are these two images, and what do they tell us today? Well, the first image has to do with oil. And the psalmist writes that this good and pleasant community, it is like, and this is kind of wild, but this is what it's like. It is like precious oil 
being poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. Now, what in the world could that possibly mean? (laughs) Well, oil is very symbolic in the Bible. Oil is a sign of God's presence. It's a symbol of the Spirit of God. We use it in anointing, just like we did in this baptism, when Paul anointed little Vinny. It's used in ordination services. It's, it's used as a healing. When you pray for healing, you anoint somebody with oil. And in this context, it's used for anointing for ordination, for ordaining for service. This is a picture from Exodus 29 when Aaron is being ordained as a priest and some others as well. And the people were told to assemble with, with Aaron and the others who were to become priests and anoint them with oil and to celebrate this new ministry. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Thus you shall anoint Aaron and his sons as what? As priests. These were the priests in the Old Testament. And I love this picture because it seems like they were very liberal in the pouring of the oil. It wasn't just a little dab. They poured in it. It ran down. It's like when I baptize a kid, Paul, I just take water and just dump it, right? It just pours down. I get wet. The kid gets wet. So it goes down on their beards and even their collars. And this was a great celebration. These people were ordained as priests to do the priestly functions. They were the mediators between God and the people. They handled the things of God, such as the sacrifices in the temple. Now, what in the world does this have to do with us in the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, there's no need for sacrifices because Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. We don't have to sacrifice doves and all the rest anymore. And I'm kind of glad about that because... I'm not very detail-oriented. I would get it all goofed up. But Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. We don't have that system anymore. And we also, after the Reformation, don't have this special group of people called priests. Because in the Reformation, they said, we are all priests. All of us. You. Joe, you. Bob, no, where's Bob? Bob, you! Gene, all of us are priests in the sense that we are called to minister to each other, to be priests to each other, to be mediators between one another, not just the pastors, but all of us. You know, the word priest comes from the Latin word pontifex, and this is why we call the Pope the Pontiff. It it literally means bridge builder. And as the people of God, we are all called to build bridges between God and people and between each other. We are to mediate the mysteries of God to each other, not just the pastors. Do you see how, how awesome this would be? And this is what he's saying, how good and pleasant it is When all God's people see that they are gifted and equipped to care for each other. We don't need clergy persons to confess our sins to. We can confess them to another person or get special blessings. We can do that with each other. We can help 
each other grow in our faith. You know, the best where you really see this is in small groups. This last Thursday night, my small group, we've been meeting this summer, reading a book on, on justice called Generous Justice, and praying for each other and talking about our faith with one another. And one of our members said this, and I told her I was going to quote it this week. She said, you know, I have grown so much through this group, through being able to come to this group every week and to share life together and to hear your faith experience and what you're going through. It makes me think about my own, and it challenges me. You, you people, and she looked at all of us. She said, you've made me grow. I think so much. I sense God's presence so much during the week more during the weeks when we have this group than not. It's just, it's helping me grow in my faith. This is ministering to each other. We pray for each other. We share life together. Do you see how it is? this is works? This is God's vision for the church. Now, I've got to ask you, do you see yourself as a priest? And also, do you see others in the church as priests who can minister to you? and care for you and love you. This is part of what it means to have a body that is good and pleasant. That's the first image. The second image has to do with dew, oil and dew today. Verse 3, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Mount Hermon, if you don't know, is way up in the northern part of Israel. When I take that trip with all of you in a couple, in a I think a year or two, we will, might go to Mount Hermon. Close to the Lebanese border, it's a beautiful, huge mountain. It's the, the snow that melts is the headwaters for the Jordan River. It reaches a height of 9,000 feet, so that's alpine. And if any of you have ever backpacked in alpine regions, you know that when you wake up in the morning, if you don't have a tent, if you're just in your sleeping bag, it is, it, the dew just soaks the top of your bag or the top of your tent. It's this mountain dew. It's thick. It's copious. There is a new covering of dew every morning in the Alpine region. So this poetic image, what it's saying, it's saying, you know, being in community that's good and pleasant, in living out God's vision, it is as if you have taken the mountain dew, all this moisture from Mount Hermon, and you take it down to Mount Zion, which is the desert, and is dry, with very little water. It's as if you have this beautiful dew, and you know what moisture does to the desert? It makes it come alive. Have you seen photos of the super bloom this year from all the rain and the desert? Oh my gosh, the desert is beautiful when it gets water. What is it symbolizing? It's symbolizing new life and possibilities. And most importantly, it's symbolizing a community that is abounding in grace. Abounding in grace. Freshness, fresh beginnings. A picture of the unexpected. You know what this tells us in our life together? This is how our relationship should be. 
that we treat one another abounding in grace, that we allow people to be people in process, imperfect, broken people who are being remade in the image of God, being made new through the grace of God. That means we are people in process. God is never finished with us, and we see each other in the same way. We expect that God is working in our brothers and sisters. Boy, this means that nobody is outside of the power of God's grace, that God can do a new thing in that person's life, that he or she can change and grow and become the new ter- person in Christ. That that person is more than maybe the mistake they made many years ago. Man, do you, do you need to see somebody in the church in that light? That you've put in a box? Or your kid? Or your husband? <laughs> or your wife? To come expecting that God is doing something new in their life. Oil and dew. Unlikely symbols of community, but great symbols. Challenging symbols. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Amen. God, we thank you for this great scripture. Oh, I just pray that that our church could be a healthy, thriving, vibrant church where we live out the vision that you have for your church. And I pray it for these kids who are being baptized, that they may grow up in a, a healthy church that is full of love and full of grace, where people expect, have expectations for their life and what God is going to do in their life that it will be abounding in grace and love. God, do this miracle. May we have the privilege of seeing it in our midst. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.